Good morning again. I saw some new faces this morning. I know we are being joined by people um, who are joining us for the first time. And so I just want to acknowledge your presence and say welcome. And as Phil said, church doesn't normally look like this, but you really couldn't have joined us on a better day. If we haven't met, my name is Jasmine. And I have the privilege of overseeing LMCC's philanthropic work, which we affectionately refer to as the Luke Four Fund. I am very excited to be gathered with all of you today because we are not only celebrating the Luke Four Fund, but our nonprofit partners, and we are also acknowledging the generosity of this church. For years, LMCC has dedicated a portion of its annual giving to funding churches and nonprofits. But I wanna be clear, we don't just fund any organization. We fund organizations that have vision. We fund organizations that have trustworthy leadership and a strong track record for serving others. We called this work outside giving and it was this church's way of taking action and problem solving. Outside giving has grown significantly over the years. 2020 and 2021 were our largest years on record where we witnessed this church not only support its core portfolio of partners, but at the request of LMC's pastoral team, we also expanded to make grants in response to racial injustice and COVID-19 as well. In 2021, we officially rebranded and we began to call this work the Luke Four Fund, and it was thus born. Today, we have a uniquely diverse portfolio of local and international partners that are meeting a variety of needs. Now, while the organizations that we support are diverse, there is something that unites all of this work, that unites us. We, as one church, we take action and support these groups because we see real pain and struggle when we walk down the streets of New York City. There is no longer any neighborhood that is immune from homelessness, addiction, illness. We take action because we know that the brokenness that we see is not God's plan. And we want to see the good news about Jesus Christ spread throughout this city and around the world. We take action because we know that faith without works is dead and because we are interconnected. I know that each of you has a deeper sense that we can't just sit by and do nothing. And so for all the pain that we see, we believe that there's still hope on the other side. We find that hope in Jesus who said these words, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Amen. That is the defining statement behind our work. So let's take a quick look at what this work looks like. Step one. We get serious, we identify, we fund, and we pray for organizations that serve people. We currently partner with 20 groups to support poverty relief. Shay, may I have the next one? Perfect. Poverty relief, 
restorative justice, service, and proclamation, commonly known as evangelism. So those are the four big areas that we hit. Organizations have to fall into one of these categories in order to be considered. And we also make grants toward disaster relief. How do we do this work? LMCC takes up to one-third of its annual giving and directs it to the Luke 4 Fund. This year, by the end of 2022, the Luke 4 Fund will distribute $938,333. Nearly a million dollars. Let that sink in for a moment. We are extremely privileged, extremely blessed to be able to give at this level. That number is going to change. But no matter how big or small the number that we give away every year, we will faithfully steward whatever you entrust to God and to this church through your tithes and your offerings. We kindly request that every organization seeking funding submit a proposal, which includes a narrative of who they are, along with current audited financial statements and an operating budget. Currently, the largest impact area is poverty relief, followed by service. And we believe this is an honest reflection of the last two years and the increasing need that we see around us. We eliminate organizations that we deem are too large. Simply put, we know that groups like the Salvation Army are doing really great work, but a five-figure gift from LMCC is probably not going to have the type of impact that we would hope to see. Nor will it allow us to exercise our greatest resource, servanthood. Because the goal isn't just to fund great organizations, it is to get out there and serve alongside them. That is why you hear and see us consistently make announcements about service opportunities. The good stuff, the real stuff, the stuff Jesus cares about happens when we roll up our sleeves. And you will hear more about that in just a moment. This is also why we have very intentionally focused our giving on New York City. Next slide, please, Only 21% of our total giving is allotted to international causes. And as we continue to refine what this work looks like, we have settled on making sure that every international cause that we support is first and foremost a Christ-centered organization and has a Christ-centered mission at its core. Now notice I said we are still refining. We are. We do this work. We give year after year. And then we give our riches away. We cannot continue to do that unless we are all united in this together. As I have reflected on this work over the last week, there is one person that I want to make sure I thank my colleague and LMCC's Director of Finance and Operations, Ashley Wolf. Ashley, where are you? I cannot do this work without Ashley. 
Her attention to detail and her lightning fast responses make it possible for us to responsibly distribute funds to every organization that we touch. And I'm very grateful that you are my partner in this. Next, last, and certainly not least, if you are joining us from one of our partner organizations, if you're a rep from one of these groups and you're joining us, will you please stand up? I don't want to cry, but y'all make it happen. And um, I'm just so joyful that we don't have to wait to celebrate you in heaven. We get to do a little bit of it here and now. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you so much for what you do. So here's what we need from you, LMCC. We need you to believe. Did I steal that from Ted Lasso? Maybe. But believe, believe that God has the whole world in his hands. Believe that he's sovereign and that he cares for his people through the body of Christ, that's you. Yesterday, um, I got to witness this because I went out to serve with Annie and Eric Yu, Kim Holt, uh, Amy Tucker, I know is here, hey Amy. Um, and Paul Little, and we went out and we served with City Relief in Harlem. And I was in the truck serving soup and drinks with Amy and Paul, and so I had my back to people a lot of the time. They were the two people in the window, and I was like in the back. Um, and it, w it amazed me because I, I heard all of these different languages. And I'd turn around and say, like, what language is that? I have no idea. I'm telling you, we saw such a variety of people, okay? All races, all ages. The need, the level of need is, is um, so severe. Um, I think my favorite part about yesterday, though, was that as much as the ladies seemed to appreciate the hard work that Amy and I were putting in. They seemed to really appreciate Paul for some reason. <laughs> and at least once or twice, after he handed out soup, I heard some ladies say, oh, thank you, Poppy. <laughs> and so Kim, if it's okay with you, um, I'd like to just start calling Paul Poppy. <laughs> Um, Paul is a longtime member of this church, and he does any and everything that we ask him to do and to be a part of. And so we invited him to come and speak and tell you a little bit more about some of the community service that he has done through this church. So will you please give a warm welcome to Paul Papi Little. was nervous enough uh, coming up here and now Jasmine is really uh, has my heart fluttering um, well first of all it's such a delight to be here and can we give Jasmine a hand please Jasmine is so wonderful 
That's been just amazing. It's really amazing serving alongside you, Jasmine. And I just want to say um, it's really a blessing and a, a pleasure and a privilege to share with you uh, my experience and the love of my life, Kim, our, our experience uh, serving in ministry. Uh, we've been attending LMCC for about seven years, and we have been delighted by the heart, as Jasmine was just describing, the heart of outreach, the heart of service that this church has. And over those years, we have served at um, the New York Rescue Mission. We've served at Bowery Mission, putting together Christmas gifts and serving. And as Jasmine said, even City Relief yesterday up in Harlem. And really the justification for that and the reason for that, that heart to serve really comes from, we talk about the Luke 4 fund, but there's Luke 10, the greatest commandment. When Jesus was tested and he was asked, what is the greatest commandment? He said, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, spirit, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Can I get an amen? amen. <laughs> uh, I'll just take a digress for a moment here and say that um, Phil talked about the culture of the church last week and building a culture, particularly coming out of COVID. And one of the things I would love to see and hear is when we hear the, learn, the word of God, we should have a reaction. It should not be quiet. It should be amen. The person who's speaking the word of God is encouraged by it. And each one of us, when we hear God's word, we should be brimming with response. So in terms of building a culture for our church, can I get an amen? Yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> okay. So in, uh, I, I thought about a, a title for this, uh, just sharing. It's only going to be a few minutes. And I came up with this really corny sounding title called Living a Parabolic Life. And it has a, Kim knows I like double entendres, so that does have a couple of meanings. And it's really about the parable. And when Jesus spoke those words, love your neighbor as yourself, he then told the parable of the Good Samaritan. And that speaks volumes about the way in which we demonstrate our love for God with all our soul, spirit, and strength all of our resources by serving and making our lives a living sacrifice. So last year, when we heard Andrew Oliver speak about Do For One, uh, Kim and I looked at each other and said, hey, maybe this is an organization we ought to get involved with. And so Jasmine put us in touch with Andrew. We learned more about their organization. Uh, we attended a, well, there was first a Zoom call that actually gave us very good information and background about his mission, his vision for Do For One. And they're an organization that serves individuals there that are suffering from isolation and very often uh, physical and mental disabilities. And it's all about relationship, building relationships with one person at a time. So we went through a, a pretty good vetting process by Do For One, which is important, which Jasmine made reference to. We don't give to everyone, and we don't give our time to just everyone. We do want to make sure the organizations are really rooted in serving, serving Christ. And after that vetting process, we had the opportunity to meet some other advocates, which is the title given for individuals who are volunteering. 
and we had a chance to interact with some of the individuals that uh, Do For One serves. And one of the most important lessons we learned from that interaction is the importance of listening. You want to be <laughs> engaging. You want to see if you can find solutions right away, if you think there's something that you can do right away. But these individuals, as you can imagine, have been in really tough situations. They've suffered through trauma, isolation, as I said. And they're not going to trust just anyone just because you show up and you have a nice smile. You really have to listen and try to understand and understand the language that's used in those communities, that you don't talk in certain phrases that could be harmful. So those are things that are really important. And you learn some of the statistics about the amount of abuse that occurs in, with individuals who are isolated. So after that process, we um, spent some time in prayer, and Andrew suggested that we become advocates for Michael, who lives in Brooklyn uh, with his mother. And he um, is suffering from a lot of physical disabilities. Uh, his mother needs constant care. And they've been suffering some isolation for, and estrangement from some of their family members. So we had the opportunity to meet with Michael, met at a Starbucks in Brooklyn, did a lot of listening, understanding where he's, his experience, and he was a blessing to us. I mean, he quoted so much scripture, I was saying amen the whole time. <laughs> so he was really wonderful person to get to know and understand how we can help. And we are still in that process now. It's a situation where you have to understand, or we do understand, and I'm sure you do as well, that is important to be consistent, it's important to always share God's love, and there will be opportunities that will present themselves where we can actually take action, help with transportation or some other things. So as we uh, go through the process of continuing to get to know Michael, um, we are absolutely moved by the work of this church, and we want you to know that um, there is a Hebrew expression called hineni, which means send me. And what we think about all the time is when the Lord says, the harvest is great, but the laborers are few. There are people in need in our community that are crying out for need. Who shall I send is what the Lord is saying. And I, I just want to encourage all of you who have been volunteering already to continue the good fight, continue to make your life a living sacrifice through service, and for those of you who are being led by the Spirit to dedicate the time, raise your hand and say, Hineni, send me. So in closing, I wanted to just express that um, in Matthew 29, there's a great commission. And the great commission says, I've been given all authority in heaven and earth. Therefore, go. That's an action. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you, and you can be sure of this, I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. Amen. Thank you very much. I'd like... And by the way, I'd like to put a plug in for the block party, Jasmine in terms of reaching out for our community. I want us to go back to doing a block party here in Lower Manhattan, please. <laughs> yes. So without further ado, I'd like to introduce Moses. Moses, say hola. Moses.
Good morning. Uh, so I'm Moses Shoyola. I'm one of the lay pastors here at uh, Lower Manhattan Community Church. And just want to, again, say welcome. Welcome to our church, but also welcome to our partners. We love having you. We love celebrating you. Welcome to those who are visiting for the first time. This is a great first time day to be here, so we're glad you're here. Um, this is just an incredible morning. Thank you, Paul, for that powerful testimony. Thank you, Jasmine, for sharing the overview of what we do through the Luke 4 Fund. And, you know, we've been calling this morning a celebration of our Luke 4 Fund, and it is a glorious celebration. But I just want to take a step back and help us understand more of what Paul was saying, more of how this connects to the heart of Jesus. Why is this important from a biblical perspective? And the name comes from the very beginning of Jesus's ministry as described in Luke 4. He spent 40 days in the desert fasting and praying, and he is ready to go. Burning Man is what, like seven days in the desert? This is 40, so you know Jesus is ready. And he goes to his hometown synagogue, he unrolls the scroll, and this is the very first thing he says. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Amen. I like that. I do like that. That's nice. Um, and Jesus proclaims it, and then he does it. He starts healing paralyzed and the chronically ill people. He starts healing people with issues that the doctors could never solve. He starts healing people with leprosy that are outcast and put to the margins of society. He raises people from the dead. He gives sight to the blind. He feeds 5,000 poor and hungry people with just five loaves of bread and two pieces of fish. And in all of it, he goes after the most marginalized. The people society won't help the religious leaders won't help them. The political leaders won't help them. No one will until Jesus comes on the scene. And he not only heals them, he restores them. He gives them their life back. He gives them new life. And what we learn from all this, from Jesus doing this for thousands of people over the three years of his life and ministry, is that Jesus' kingdom is one where the poor have their needs met in abundance, where people who are lame can leap, where people who are blind can see, where all forms of suffering and even death itself is completely eradicated. And that's what we have to look forward to in eternity. But what I love about our faith is that Christ gives us a playbook for what we're to do while we wait. We don't just have to sit around hoping and waiting for this kingdom to come. We can start bringing his kingdom now we can start bringing abundance and healing and restoration now. And that's been the story of Jesus' people from the very beginning. The apostles, they continued to heal the sick and free prisoners and respond to poverty by sacrificing their own treasures. And on and on throughout history, during the plagues, it was Jesus' people who ran toward the sick to care for them rather than fleeing for their safety. Jesus' people put themselves in harm's way so others might be made whole Jesus and his followers seek out those on the margins, tend to them, bind up their wounds, provide for their needs, and restore them. And the question for us as a community is how do we do likewise? How do we continue in this tradition, in this practice of bringing Jesus's kingdom to the darkest corners of our world? And the Luke 4 Fund is our answer. This is how 
we do it. This is how we do it. Here's the deal. When Jesus makes that list, when he's reading the scroll, gives us a list of those in poverty, those who are sick, those who are oppressed. And for each of these items, we have the opportunity to bring the good news of Jesus' kingdom to these people and let them know that the remedy is available. And what we've recognized at this church for a number of years is that for every kind of marginalized group, there's an organization in our city or in our world whose mission it is to help those people. The organizations we support are heralding God's kingdom, bringing the glory of God's kingdom to darkest to the darkest corners of our world. And we know by doing so that you, our partners in these organizations, have secured for yourselves treasures in heaven, and Jesus will personally reward each one of you in the end. This is best illustrated by something Jesus said himself. He was talking about his return, and he was saying that he'll say to a particular group of people, come, take your inheritance, take your reward that's been prepared for you since the beginning of creation. You've earned it. Why? Because I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you cared for me. I was in prison and you visited me. And they'll say, when, Lord? I don't recall seeing you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison. And he'll say, whenever you did it for the least of these, whenever you did it for the most marginalized, you did it for me. Whenever you gave something to eat to the least of these, NYC Love Kitchen and City Relief and Rescuing Leftover Cuisine, you did it for Jesus. Whenever you gave something to drink to the least of these, Shalom, you did it for Jesus. Whenever you invited strangers in, do for one and REM and BEE Ukraine and CASA, you did it for Jesus. Whenever you clothed those who were naked, communitas and avail and restore and expect hope, whenever you did any of these things for the least of these, you did it for Jesus and he'll say to you, receive your inheritance prepared from the foundation of the world. You'll be the people he's excited to say, come, take your inheritance. Come, take goodness and joy and heavenly riches. Come and partake of what no eye has seen and what no ear has heard and what no mind can fathom. Come and partake of what the creator of the universe, the creator of the universe who made sunsets and mountains and stars, all the beauty of the world, he says, can't hold a candle to what he has for you. Our partners, the men and women who work in and lead these organizations that care for the weary and downtrodden and marginalized will each personally hear that from Jesus in the end. They'll find out that their labor was never in vain because they will find that whatever they did for the least of these, they did for Jesus and he was there in every person they served. But if you're someone in our LMCC community, you're probably thinking, that sounds pretty great. I want that. I want that inheritance. I don't want to miss out on that. And I spend most of my life doing something that doesn't do a lot for the poor and oppressed and downtrodden and marginalized. What opportunities will I have to do for the least of these? And your first instinct might be to volunteer. 
like Paul, and that's a great instinct. And we're going to continue providing opportunities to volunteer. But what is awesome about God's kingdom is that another incredibly impactful way for us to participate is through our financial giving. This is why we do it. This is why we have a Luke 4 fund. Every dollar that we give goes toward another refugee rescued, another mother helped in a crisis pregnancy, another person finding a companion through the work of Do For One, another victim freed from sex trafficking. You know, we tend to think that giving of our money is less spiritually valuable than giving of our time. And the first practical reality is that these organizations need money. They need money. It's just as, if not more important than giving of our time. And the second reality is that money is actually a reflection of how we spend our lives. When we give financially, we're giving a portion of the 40 or 50 or for the bankers out there, 80, 90, 100 plus hours we spend every week earning our paychecks. In that sense, giving of our money is equivalent to giving of our lives. And when we do that, we get to participate. That's the word for today, is to participate. We get to participate in advancing Jesus' kingdom. We get to participate in bringing, bringing Jesus' mercy to all these dark places. We get to participate in bringing the abundance of Jesus' kingdom to those who need it most. And you know what that means? It means that if we give, we also get to claim that inheritance. Jesus promises to personally bestow on each one of us that inheritance. We too will find ourselves asking, but when? When, Lord, did we see you hungry or thirsty or sick or naked? And he'll say, whenever you did for the least of these by giving to the organizations that are doing this work, you did it for me. Next week, we're going to talk about more reasons why giving is important spiritually, but this is a big one. Participating in and advancing Jesus' kingdom, participating in bringing Jesus' kingdom to the people who need it most through our partner organizations, this is why we give. And as we close, I just want to hit on one last thing. You know, our partners are very gracious people. They're very thankful for our generosity. They come up to us. They've probably come up to Jasmine a number of times and just said, thank you, thank you for giving to us. And honestly, it should be totally reversed. I think we'd be a little bit off if the takeaway today was just a backpack for LMCC and us thinking how proud we are of our church that we're so generous the reality is we should be saying thank you to our partners. Thank you for letting us participate with you in advancing Jesus' kingdom. Thank you for letting us ride your coattails. Thank you for letting us jump on board with the work that you're doing. Thank you for letting us share in the inheritance that God has prepared for us because we get to work with you to bring his mercy to all these people. We thank you. We thank God for you. May he continue to bless you and bless your work. I'm going to pray, and then our worship team is going to come up and lend with some worship.
Lord Jesus, um, your kingdom is an awesome and everlasting kingdom. Uh, we know that one day all the pain and the suffering, all the tears will be wiped away. And we thank you that we just get to build a bridge toward that day. We thank you for all these organizations and these people that are doing this work to set oppressed people free, to proclaim the good news of the Lord's favor to the poor and downtrodden and weary and marginalized. We thank you that you let us join in your work. We pray that you will soften our hearts to see what you are doing, to desire to participate in what you are doing. Bless your name. We glorify you. We thank you for this day. In Jesus' name, amen.